Welcome to the Buford Sermons Podcast, where we care about the things you care about. For more information or to donate to this ministry, please visit www.fbcbuford.org. God is doing here. All right, now if you open your Bibles to Proverbs, um, as we look at the fundamentals of fear, uh, Pastor Jared's going to come this morning and share a really, really, really good word. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7, and the Bible reads, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge, and discretion. To the young, let the wise listen and add their, to their learning, and let the discerning their, get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Well, today being Halloween, we thought, I was asking, I was talking to my wife, my ringing, okay. Uh, I was talking to my wife and uh, it, have you ever noticed certain people put different emphasis on different syllables? Um, I say Halloween and she says Halloween. So anyway, it being Halloween, um, we thought that it would be appropriate to talk about... Y'all don't think that's as funny as I thought it was. That's okay. Uh, We thought that it would be appropriate and helpful to address a topic. And yes, it's very gimmicky, but just hang with us, okay? Because I think it'll be helpful. And I promise to be uh, on time today. All right. It's important to address a topic in our culture and in our country and in our church that impacts every single person and every single family, and that topic is fear. Over the last couple of years, we've seen nothing but signs and t-shirts and all, you know, the sermon series and all these things that talk about faith over fear, faith over fear, faith over fear. If you've heard it once, you've heard it a million times in the last couple of years, and there's not a thing wrong with that sentiment. There's not a thing wrong with that saying, but we need to be careful when we say it because I think it causes just a slight bit of confusion by suggesting that faith and fear are polar opposites and that we can overcome our fears by just making ourselves have faith that everything is going to be okay. And the problem with that is that that's almost impossible. Instead, we need to focus on having the right kind of fear and the right kind of faith. New York University Press published a research-based book written by the faculty of Chapman University called Fear Itself. And it's a study of the role of fear in American life. And the synopsis of the book is this. Americans live in a culture of fear. While fear is typically discussed in emotional or poetic terms as the opposite of courage or as an obstacle to be overcome, it nevertheless has very real consequences in everyday life. Persistent fear, listen to this part, persistent fear negatively affects individuals' decision-making abilities and causes anxiety, depression, and poor physical health. Further, Fear harms communities and society by corroding social trust and civic engagement. Yet politicians often effectively leverage fears to garner votes, and companies routinely market unnecessary products that promise protection 
from imagined or exaggerated harms. Now, if that doesn't sound like America 2021, I don't know what does. See, even secular academics understand that fear is a very real problem in American life. They just don't understand the root cause of fear's domination in our society. They know that it's a problem, but they don't know why it's a problem. Now, let me be clear. Before we get too far into this, fear is not always a bad thing. I mean, it's an instinct that God gave us. It alerts us when something is not quite right. It can help us escape danger. I mean, I'm assuming that if fear wasn't an emotion that we have, there would probably be a whole lot more bear attacks. There'd probably be a whole lot more electrocutions. I mean, when I'm doing electrical work, you know, I'm always checking. I check once, I go to the breaker box. I check twice, I go to the breaker box. I check again, just to make sure somebody didn't flip it on while I wasn't looking, try to fry me. You know, there is a very real palpable fear that occurs in my life when I'm working on electricity. And it should. Fear is an important emotion. You name a type of accident and there would be far more of them without fear. I mean, on a practical level, think about the role that fear plays in something as simple and mundane as driving your car. I mean, we're so afraid of, you know, a litany of things in our world today but probably the most dangerous thing you do is get in your car and drive from point A to point B every day. And yet we still do it, don't we? Fear plays a very real role in that. Every time you get behind the wheel of your car, there is a level of fear. Now, it may not always be palpable, and it may not always be dominant, but it's there. Sometimes it may even be subconscious, but it's there. And the fear that we experience when we get in the, behind the wheel of our vehicle causes us to be careful and alert as we drive to help us avoid harm. If you don't believe me, just consider how you drive when you're by yourself versus when you have your kids or somebody else's kids in your car. Right? Fear plays a part in how you do something as simple and mundane as operate your vehicle. So fear is not always a bad thing. But the kind of fear we're discussing this morning that has such severe ramifications is what the Chapman University staff call persistent fear and what the Bible calls a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Many of you may have heard that verse before, but here's what I want us to point out and I want, what I want us to solved this morning. We don't see very much power, love, and self-control in our society, do we? And if we're honest, there's many times that we don't see very much power, love, and self-control in our own lives. But we see an abundance of fear. Which leads us to our first point, and the first point is this. The location of our fear reveals the location of our faith. The most recent study by Chapman University on the greatest fears of Americans was conducted in January of this year. They surveyed uh, uh, well over a thousand people, which in survey work is a very good sample. And it was a random sample survey, which means it was a cross-section of people in the United States based on population. 
So it's a very representative survey, and these are the results that they came up with. These are the top 10 fears of Americans in 2021. This is by percentage of people that are very afraid or afraid. So here are the top 10 things. Corrupt government officials. People I love dying. A loved one contracting the coronavirus. People I love becoming seriously ill. Widespread civil unrest. A pandemic or major epidemic. Economic and, or financial collapse. Cyber terrorism. Pollution of oceans, rivers, and lakes. And biological warfare. So these are the top 10 concerns that Americans have on their mind today. These are the top 10 fears. Remember, this is afraid or very afraid. So here's what I want us to see. If these things are our greatest fears, if these are the things that keep us up at night, if these are the things that cause us to be afraid on a daily basis and sometimes make decisions that are not very wise, then it shows that our faith is actually in government, our faith is in health, our faith is in life, our faith is in financial and civil stability, our faith is in privacy. I thought about that one a lot. That is so true, if you think about that one. Our faith is in privacy, and our faith is in this earth. Now, what would, this, what would the results of this be if we really had our faith and our trust in God? Would these be our very top fears if our main concern was having faith in Christ? No. If we really had faith in God, our greatest fears would be something like falling out of favor with God or failing to raise my kids to love Christ or leading others astray. If those things were our greatest fears, then it would reveal that our faith is actually in God. See, if the opposite of fear is power, love, and self-control, then what this survey shows is this. Only when government is controlled by the people we want, when our health is not in jeopardy, when there's no sickness or death, when there's no civil unrest or financial instability, when the earth is clean and there are no wars, then we will be people of power, love, and self-control. But until then, we're going to be afraid. And the problem with that is this. What I just described will never be achieved here on this earth because what I just described is heaven. We expect heaven on earth, and when we don't get it, we are fearful. I want you to know I'm preaching to myself more than anybody else in this church this morning. I have been so guilty of everything that I'm going to talk about today. So please receive this as it's intended, with love and compassion. But why are we more afraid than ever in our society? It's because we have placed our faith in things that are temporary and never deliver on their promises to bring joy. If I just had a few more dollars in my bank account, if I was just a little bit more financially stable, if these riots and these protests and all of these things that are going on in our society, if they would just go away, 
If I could just put my blinders back on, if I could just go back to 2019, then I wouldn't be afraid of everything. Wrong. Because if your faith is not in God, then you're always going to be afraid of something. And this is why God calls us to fear Him. Because when we fear God, we don't have to fear anything else. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, Luther read, Pastor Luther read it just a minute ago. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, this is uncomfortable for modern Americans, or it can be, because when we see that word fear, it causes us to cringe a little bit. How can a God who is loving and good to all require us also to fear Him? If He is loving, then should we really be afraid of Him? I've heard even some preachers preach this text and say, well, that word doesn't actually mean fear. It means honor or respect or love. And that's not completely wrong, but they're committing the sin of omission. They're leaving out an important nuance to this word. Because do you know what that word actually means in the original language? It means to be afraid. And maybe that causes you to think, well, that isn't very loving. That isn't very kind. God would ask me to fear him, and yet at the same time, he's saying that he's a God of love? Well, when I was a kid, I'm still a kid and some, sometimes, but when I was physically a kid, when I was small, well, I'm still small, um, when I was in single digits, I used to go hiking with a family friend and we would always he would take me and some of my friends and we would go hiking up Lookout Mountain in northwest Georgia and we'd climb all the way up to this spot at the top of the mountain and it was this huge rock face and you could walk right up to the edge of this rock face there was no railing or anything like that and supposedly you could see five states from here but I don't buy it but it, I would always walk up to this the edge of this rock face and I would peer over and you probably know the feeling that I experienced the butterflies welling up in my stomach I mean looking off of this it's terrifying and yet I'm still standing here I was terrified and yet I was amazed I was awed I was blown away I experienced both a fear and a love for God's creation at the same time. Because as I walked up to the edge of that cliff, I realized how insignificant I really am. And at the same time, I recognized that if I were to slip off of the edge of this thing, I would be in real trouble. But at the same time, I could have confidence because I trusted the rock that I was standing on. See, it's, it's a balance of feelings that we have when it comes to fearing God. And fearing God means that we trust His holiness to believe 
that he could and should crush us, but we trust his love enough to know that he won't if we repent of our sin and put our trust in Jesus Christ. In other words, those who fear God recognize that in relation to God, you are insignificant. But because of your relationship with God, you're a child of the King. It's a balance of those feelings. See, in God's economy, fearing Him is a positive, freeing, necessary thing for living an abundant life. However, a lack of the fear of God is greatly celebrated around the world today. To fear God is to be silly in the eyes of many. Why? It's because our modern, enlightened concept of freedom doesn't allow for fearing God. See, we love to talk about the friendship of Jesus, but we hate talking about the lordship of Jesus. Well, I don't want to be accountable to anybody. You say, I would never say that. I would never say that I don't want to be accountable to anybody. You might not say it, but in the way we act, that's what we give off. See, we want to be acquainted with God. We just don't want to be accountable to God. The modern understanding of freedom is this, according to the dictionary. It says that freedom is the power, to, the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. It thinks that freedom means no restraint. Now, we talked earlier about the underlying fear that's inherent in operating a vehicle, right? Every time you get behind the wheel of a car, there is a fear that exists. Now, would you say that the fear that we experience when we are behind the wheel of our vehicle is there in order to restrict us from operating the car in the way in which we see fit? Of course not. But if you go by the world's definition of freedom, then it is a restriction. But the truth is that the fear that causes you to operate the car within the boundaries of the law is what allows you to live and to thrive and to get to where you want to go. You can operate the car however you want, but if you do that, then you don't get to determine whether you get to your destination or not. Fear is a good thing when you fear the right thing. See, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools despise restraint, even restraint from God. But John chapter 15, verses 10 and 11, it says, Jesus says, If you keep my commandments, then you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. Listen. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. See, he says, you will remain in my love just because you exist? No. You will remain in my love even if you spit on my sacrifice, don't give me the time of day, are not humble, will not repent of your sin, but you can still remain in my love. No. He says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. But listen, he doesn't tell us this to restrict us. He tells us this in order to free us. 
See, contrary to popular opinion today, fearing God is not oppressive. It is the only possible way to experience true freedom. Because fear of God leads to respect for God, which leads to trust in God, which leads to salvation and security. But the blessing of fearing God is that the one you fear is also the one by whom you are loved. So we see that when we fear God, we don't have to fear anything else. And the last thing is, to fear God is to gain wisdom. Proverbs chapter 9, verses 10 through 12 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, if you're a mocker, sorry, you alone will suffer. See, we live in the information age, don't we? We're constantly bombarded with information every single day from the moment we wake up. Every bad thing that happens anywhere in the world is reported to us every single day. We're constantly connected, we're always in the know, and we, le- we can learn the answer to anything in five seconds flat using Google. In fact, a study from 2011, and think about this, 2011, 10 years ago they were already saying this, think about how much worse it would be today. A study from 2011 found that we are becoming symbiotic with our computer tools, growing into interconnected systems that remember less by knowing information than by knowing where the information can be found. In other words, we have become less able to remember things because of Google because we just know that Google is there. Think about your telephone number when you were growing up, 706-866-9156. That was mine. You can call it. It's not connected still. So, But I remember that. I even know my grandma's phone number from when I was a single digits. But I couldn't tell you if you are my... Stephen Fountain is one of my best... That's a bad example. I actually do know his. Chad Todd is one of my best friends in the world. I could not tell you what his phone number is from a hole in the ground. I don't know. Why? Because we don't have to know. We just pull up his name. In the phone. only reason I know Stevens is because he says it a lot. So, <laughs> it's true. He does. But, also, I typed it in a live stream for like 10 weeks in a row. So, there's that too. The point is, we don't have to remember things anymore. Because we just know where we can find the information. And that's all well and good. But the problem is, Google isn't God, even if they think they are. I mean, we're streaming this on Google's platform. Y'all ain't God. I hope they see this and whatever. But also, did you know that statistically speaking, children are actually more safe today than ever before, physically speaking. There is actually less danger of disease and even violence against a child than in any point in human history here in America. And yet, we are more afraid for our kids' safety than ever before. 
Now, let me say that it's not a bad thing to care about your kids and to try to protect your children. Don't take that from this. But here's what I'm trying to explain. This is because the more you try to control things that are outside of your control, the more fearful you become. See, in the past, before we had all this information, people recognized that they didn't really have control over the things that happened in their life. But we have become accustomed to thinking that we do control everything that happens in our life, and so that's why we've become more fearful. Instead of trusting God, we are trusting our ability to impact things that we can't impact. Now, some of the danger for kids has shifted to online and psychological danger. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be concerned for our kids and do everything we can to protect them. I'm simply making the point that the advent of the 24-hour news cycle and the Internet, it has been posited that more information leads to better decision-making. But that assumption was wrong. In fact, the constant inundation of information has made us more fearful and less wise. And so here's what I want to tell us. A person who fears God does not necessarily know everything. But you can know nothing of lasting value until you fear God. Now, we all have heard the somewhat of an epidemic that's going on where people are smarter than ever before and yet they don't know how to do anything. These people have all these degrees, and yet they can't, their tire blows out, they're stranded until a AAA guy or gal comes and helps them out, right? Like, that's a very real thing. If you can't change a tire, don't be offended, okay? That's just where we are. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Matter of fact, ministry moment, I will teach you how to change your tire if you need to know. But the point is, we've all gotten smarter, and yet we don't know how to do anything. And in the same way, right, we've all gotten smarter, and yet we've forgotten that we actually don't control anything. And so we're all torn up inside when things happen that are outside of our control because it bursts this bubble that we actually have control over the things that happen in our life. There's actually a study. My wife was telling me she was listening to uh, uh, some scholar or whatever on a podcast, and he said, we actually have control over about 15% of the things that we even think we have control over. We don't have control over the things that happen in our life. And so that's why... We are so afraid of the government. We're so afraid of, uh, you know, the earth going bad and our lakes getting polluted and biological warfare. And those things could happen. Those things might happen. But I got to tell you something. You're also going to die one day. And there's not a thing you can do about that. The only thing you can do is put your faith and your trust in the one who does control it. So how do we do this? If fearing God really rids us of the spirit of fear and allows us to live lives of power, love, and self-control, then what does that look like practically? Well, if you've never turned from your sin and put your faith in Christ, then please recognize how completely lost you are without Him. And you know it. I don't have to stand up here and convince you of the fact that when you lay down at night, you know there's something missing. I don't have to convince you of the fact that you understand that our world is crumbling and there's not a thing you can do about it. I don't have to convince you of that, but here's what I want you to know. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, left heaven, came to the earth, lived a sinless life in your place, died on the cross in your place, and rose again to prove that he alone has the power to forgive. 
Would you put your trust in him? And if you have trusted Christ, then your response to this message should be to reflect every single day on the holiness, the goodness, the love, the patience, and the kindness of God. And that's why we need time in his word. And that's why we need prayer. And it's why we need the people of God to challenge us and encourage us toward our hope in Christ. So let me ask you, what are you doing to combat your fears? Just telling yourself not to be afraid won't work any more than telling yourself to stop thinking about polka-dotted elephants will work. You need a strategy for avoiding the fear of the temporary by being in awe of the eternal one who has offered you abundant life. And as I was thinking about my response to this message, I couldn't shake this song that my parents used to sing at the little Baptist church that I grew up in. And it goes like this. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, tell me where would I be? Where would I be? Where would you be without Christ. Where would you be without Christ if you wake up every day? We hope that you have been blessed and challenged by this message. If you have questions, prayer requests, or want to know more about how to follow Jesus, please check us out at fbcbuford.org.